Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And we are back from uh, the 4th of July break, and I'm also back after two weeks away after Sherlyn took the show uh, kind of on her own crazy Masterfully, masterfully took over. (laughs) Well, it was a very long episode about telehealth and Apple, and while Sherlyn was podcasting about telehealth and Apple and so much great crazy news, I was moving across the country. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And also today we're going to be rounding down uh, some news. We've got Thunderbolt 4 details from Intel. Sherlyn's going to be talking about some new Qualcomm hardware. And Facebook is just being awful. Yep. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review. That's all really helpful. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. I spent the past two weeks... (laughs) moving from Brooklyn (laughs) to the Atlanta area, and it was not fun. Let me tell you that. This has been, yeah. I can't believe you got on a plane. You got all your furniture and all that, and your baby and your wife on a plane. And two cats. Yeah, furniture doesn't go on the plane. I know, but like. Just FYI. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you shipped it, whatever, through the movers. It goes and then through you movers. Also, yeah. get your family on the plane with. I don't know where are the kids. This is all. This is also terrible. I don't. I don't want to fully relive this, but I will say, I have been thinking about this move for the past year, just oh. because I'm. I was a little tired of New York, and it's a little anxiety-inducing and everything. Um, so we've been looking around Atlanta for a while. Then the pandemic hit. And Mm. it was like the world telling me, maybe you should just go immediately. So we spent the past few months really looking hard around Atlanta. We found a house we liked. We, you know, did the the whole dance and we basically got an offer accepted within a couple of weeks. So Mm. we basically had one month to pack up our Brooklyn apartment and move. And then let me tell you, moving is terrible, but also this was the single worst move of my life because it was just so much stuff. And the baby... Is this your first interstate move or... No, no. I moved from... I mean, I moved to Massachusetts from Connecticut for college Mm. and then I moved Mm. from there to New York. So that was a big Mm. move. 
Um, but this is just so much tougher because we're juggling the baby. We're juggling two cats. Yeah. So. Anyway, the move so took forever. To Packing took forever. The day of the actual move, we ended up missing our flight like by five minutes. And it was so, it was heartbreaking because Delta told us, hey, there aren't any more flights for two days. And Gosh. there I was stuck in the airport with the baby, you know, my whole family and the two cats. Um, we didn't have a place to live. We were closing on the house the next day. The movers were going to get to the house the next day. It was just not great. Yeah. Luckily, we found another flight on Southwest and it had to be a connecting flight. So we had to deal oh. with that whole mess. Um, but we made it. It was it was terrible, awful. I really like the house. And as you can tell, I'm in a very big <laughs> echoey room which is in my basement, a finished uh, basement, thankfully. And I need to sound treat this room and get it all up and running. But I'm happy about the space. I feel really bad that, you know, that my wife and baby and everybody had to go through such a hellish journey just to get us here. But I think we're going to be better off here, at least for a while. So I, I think yeah. you seem really happy in your new place now that you've go- gone through that entire ordeal. Like moving <laughs> is never fun. It's never. I hate it. I oh always, It gives God. me a lot of anxiety. But once yeah. I'm done moving and setting everything up, it's just much better. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, dear listener, the behind the scenes of this looks incredible. You've got now me <laughs> under a blanket, the Avengers under this gigantic purple blanket I'm thing under a with fleece blanket. cat hairs on it yeah i mean listen uh, if you have a blanket and cats um the cats <laughs> will be on that blanket that's a fact of nature but yeah it's so great. i'm great. we're settling in it's been nearly two weeks and i'm really digging it at some point i'll talk about how i also picked up a car without yeah. going to a dealer i mean we we picked this house without even stepping foot in it because everything had to be remote mm-hmm. thanks to the pandemic so that's a longer conversation for another time but happy to be resettled uh, in georgia in a slightly more peaceful area so i can spend happy a little to have more you time back on the podcast too yeah by the way. thank you very much yeah. Well, now that I'm more peaceful and not worrying about, you know, being surrounded by COVID in New York, we could talk about some tech news. And yeah. the first thing I got in my inbox when I got back from vacation was Intel's news about Thunderbolt 4. And Woo-hoo. I thought to myself, hell yeah, because it's exactly <laughs> the sort of um, very dry, geeky thing that I get it's into. I know Sherlyn really digs it. <laughs> It's a sort of thing where, you know, this is the standard, um, the super fast uh, connection standard mm-hmm. that connects over USB-C that Intel has been working on for years. Mm-hmm. And now Thunderbolt 4 is going to be the next version of it. Uh, it's going to bring along some new features. So let's talk a bit about that. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing I found, um, Thunderbolt 4 will not actually be faster overall than Thunderbolt 3, which huh. came out a couple of years ago. They both top out at 40 gigabits per second as their max speed, but it gets a little it gets a little more confusing because I think what <laughs> Intel's basically doing is raising the minimum specifications for the standard. So for example, okay. like at the base level, Thunderbolt 3 PCs could connect mm-hmm. to one 4K display. Now with mm-hmm. Thunderbolt 4, they're requiring two. So that's kind mm-hmm. of a big change. And also um, PCIe devices, so like mm-hmm. um, external hard drives that could use the PCIe standard mm-hmm. also are also twice as fast with Thunderbolt 4. So they can go mm-hmm. up to 32 gigabits per second instead of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, Intel's requiring, you know, at least one of the Thunderbolt ports to power the PC to charge, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing for ultra portables. It's just a lot of little things like that. Um, and there's also better security too, which is something we brought up a couple of weeks ago 
the thing about Thunderbolt, it is a direct memory access port. So that means mm -hmm. whatever you plug in there, basically, it's almost like it can get connected directly to your motherboard. That's how it gets to be so fast. There mm. was a post a couple weeks ago, maybe months ago, about a Microsoft Surface engineer who basically brought up that issue as one reason why Thunderbolt never made it over to Surfaces. It's just very, it's a dangerous thing to have, you know, right mm. outside your machine because a skilled mm. hacker could just plug something in and scoop up all your data. There was that one flaw, ThunderSpy, that we reported on, mm. which essentially could let a hacker steal your data even if your pc was locked and your hard drive was encrypted because thunderbolt just gives you such fast access so intel is applying their um virtual vtd slash b wait <laughs> intel is applying their vtd technology which is basically like virtualizing the memory space for these things that's going to hopefully secure thunderbolt devices a little more this is a technology they had it, it was like available on Thunderbolt 3 PCs. Uh, Windows 10 supported yeah. it. Most OSs supported it, but it wasn't mandatory. And now mm. it is. So I feel like that's a better thing. Maybe this means we could see Thunderbolt 4 on a Surface device eventually, because I feel like that would have really helped uh, the Surface Book 3 that I reviewed, mm -hmm. because that thing was just not as fast as I wanted it to be. But let's get even more confusing, right? So... <laughs> Thunderbolt 4 supports USB 4, which is Oi. going to be the upcoming, you know, USB standard. That's using the USB-C cable, mm -hmm. so like the thing we know. But here's the thing. USB 4 is basically Thunderbolt 3. Okay? Well, well, let me in terms of the speed me, and No, it's literally Thunderbolt 3. Jesus, go so ahead. So a couple of years ago, Intel opened up basically the standard to let people implement thunderbolt 3 uh royalty free so you didn't have to pay Ooh. for it you could just like plug in the that's tech. why it exploded yes okay. and then the usb you know then the usb um organization or standard like intel was a part of that they basically got all the key features of thunderbolt 3 into usb 4 so uh. usb 4 basically thunderbolt 3 thunderbolt 4 also thunderbolt also usb 4 compatible it's all very confusing. I don't think Intel makes this stuff easy to understand. Um, no. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, while I'm getting very confused, I'm also kind of like <laughs> getting, I, getting like yeah. slightly annoyed, and also like, wait, USB four and Thunderbolt four, they're already kind of they're compatible, but they're USB four at the base level. So every USB four port does everything that Thunderbolt three did. But they so don't we'll, do everything Thunderbolt 4 does. <laughs> Let's get like okay. hard, super nerdy yeah. here, okay? Because yeah. this is this is where we're headed. Like Ben, our producer Ben wants me to call out how nerdy <laughs> we're being. But okay, bear with us as we nerd out a little harder for a while. Will USB 4 only be like USB C? Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We okay. we've we've gone over that so already. So we're leaving. So. I mean, no, I mean you yeah. said it, but I wasn't sure if it was like mandatory. USB no, or I or mean like USB C is pretty much like the de facto like form factor standard now. Like since Good. USB. 3.2, which was the last version, like okay. you got some of those that were, you know, USB Type A, but it was pretty much yeah. all USB C at this point. Because I still, right? I, I mean, when I reviewed things, I still see a lot of laptops with USB 3, but USB yeah. A shaped ports. Yeah. So, I was so just the like, bigger, okay, the bigger rectangular yeah. port instead of like the little, you know, oval one. Yeah. So, yeah. so USB A is going to be what left in the dust? Is it, it never going to get? It should. I well, mean, but, so yeah, whenever, it should, you see, it whenever you see USB A on a laptop, it's basically 
a PC it's, maker throwing you a bone. It's like, hey, yeah. here, we know you have this one camera or one right. like a dongle or something that needs USB-A. So we're going to give you one port. And HP As, has been good about that. Uh, yeah. A lot of companies have. But yeah. that's changing. But we were, that's, we're expecting to see that phase out, basically, right? I mean, it has been. Apple's been since when what 2015 2016 since that yeah MacBook i still Pro see it on revamp. some bigger laptops even the xps 15 the yeah. xps 15 which is typically known as like being the workhorse machine with yeah. a ton of ports is now all USB-C, and i really like yeah. that pc um it's a shame about like it doesn't have full-size hdmi and everything but I think for flexibility and for thinness and you know for using the most the latest ports and using the yeah. latest fastest connections you got to get USB-C. so you know so it's about so time. i know this yeah i know I, I just acknowledge that we're being very nerdy but i i will say this has <laughs> very real impacts on like all of your lives because this everything you own now connects to something via usb right like mm-hmm. either it charges via micro usb which is really just just oh, we don't, we don't even we don't talk about micro usb blasphemy anymore. can't believe people are it's micro usb is just cheaper for manufacturers to use in their products but, but whatever. it's slow it's like that's the it's thing. terrible it's terrible it's slow it's low yeah. voltage so usb-c can charge up to so 100 watts yeah. so that's kind of nice you yeah know. so mm-hmm. so basically we're saying i i'm saying embrace the usb-c revolution i'm saying yes. i'm excited for usb-4 uh, and USB-A might go away. USB-A, that square port that takes up more space on your laptop, is going to yeah. go away, hopefully. T- TLDR, um, like the, the overall take here is that you can expect the later PCs this year that support Thunderbolt 4 to basically do a lot more. You can have an Ultrabook that'll connect two 4K displays, guaranteed. You know, it'll be able to do more with faster external storage. This is great for video editors and everybody. Yeah. But even if you don't get Thunderbolt 4, if you get a, you know, newish PC with USB 4, you can enjoy some pretty decent specs too. So I think yeah. at the very least, we're seeing the gap between Thunderbolt and USB disappearing because it was a big gap for yep. a long time. Yeah. The USB 3 top speed, like, let me just get into this. USB top, <laughs> for USB 3 that supported DisplayPort, that topped out around 10 gigabits per second. Jeez. Technically, USB 4 tops out at 20 gigabits per second. Um, Thunderbolt 3 and 4 top out at 40. 40. But yeah, so USB 4, it's almost as fast as Thunderbolt 3. Um, and it could do, you know, a couple other things like that too. So it can it can do some of the Thunderbolt 3 features. It's all very confusing. It's all very annoying, but your ports will get mm-hmm. faster. That's I think the main thing. And yeah, yeah. any any, yeah. any thoughts about this, Charlene? It just seems like Intel, you know, being Intel and having its own standard and making it annoying for everybody. But that's I uh, I think it's hilarious and yeah. I think that Intel is just trying to do what it can to it. Like I mean, with the ARM uh, powered, the AMD powered MacBook or the Apple moving to its own silicone for MacBooks in the future. Mm-hmm. Intel really needs things like that to like keep getting licensing money because it's really losing <laughs> like com- it's got a lot of competition you know and speaking of competition one of the biggest rivals with Intel on the mobile space at least is Qualcomm Qualcomm's been making these ARM based chipsets for PCs that like they can't stop taking pot shots at Intel anytime they do something like that uh, and this like <laughs> this week, Qualcomm announced a new uh, premium mobile chipset, which is the Snapdragon 865 Plus. And this is like the Snapdragon 800 series is the the CPU that powers all the flagship phones that right. come out every year, right? So like again, mm-hmm. we're gonna get nerdy again, guys. <laughs> this is I mean, listen, this is we us. We need the Weird Al song. <laughs> Time to get nerdy. Ooh, ooh, I something. think I know it. 
<laughs> something, something wide and nerdy. That's I our think. new theme song. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, so Qualcomm not only just announced the Snapdragon 865 Plus this week, but over the last few weeks also released a whole bunch of news. So, um, there was the Snapdragon Wear 4100, uh, which is for smartwatches last week, and then a mid-range 690 series for affordable 5G phones. Uh, it also shared or announced some news around the inventions that it made that made it into the phase two of 5G. And I'm going to like kind of break it down for you guys because... <laughs> More confusing lo- standards. Gotta yeah, wonderful. It. Excellent. Like just, just keep throwing crap at us and we'll, we'll, we'll do the hard work of learning. Anyway, so the Qualcomm Snapdragon 865 Plus. This is going to be... This is, the, Qualcomm's been doing this for a while where they announced the Plus version of its highest end chip... Uh, of like six months after basically i think just to kind of like make people buy more stuff anyway <laughs> uh asus announced that the rock phone 3 the rog phone 3 which is not officially launched yet it's no one really knows a lot about it yet uh that's going to use mm-hmm. its 865 plus lenovo legion which makes mostly gaming pcs i haven't seen yeah. the phone also announced that they're going to use the A65 Plus. So is Legion going to make a gaming phone? Because that would be really interesting. Mm. Or are they making a laptop that would use the A65 Plus? Maybe we'll see some weird things. Like remember what we saw from Dell at CES? I forget the name of that concept device. But the thing that was like a giant Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Um, And that thing had full PC hardware. But I can imagine... You know, PC makers wanting to make these weird gaming devices because the Switch is yep. essentially, it's a PC running NVIDIA's Tegra hardware. So yep. having newer hardware, like having yep. newer mobile hardware could produce something that's almost faster than the Switch certainly and could be useful, but... I guess yeah. we'll see. Yeah. The the yeah the Dell one was like a just a concept. It was under their Alienware brand for gaming, and it was like yeah, you're right. Like totally just a shield that looks more hardcore, basically. So I'm I'm excited for Lenovo's announcement, and I think a lot of people are waiting for the ROG Phone three. <laughs> uh, the 865 Plus basically is like 10 percent faster than the 865, which powers the Galaxy S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra. Uh, it's 10% faster graphics rendering. It supports a full suite of Qualcomm's Snapdragon Elite gaming stuff. So you get like, HDR gaming and like smoother uh, graphics effects and stuff like that. So, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's... It's, it's it's amazing to yeah. me that they're still doubling down on gaming because none of the gaming phones, right? There was, there was another Asus RG one. There was the Razer Blade one. None of them have yeah. been great like they're cool and interesting products but they don't really do much because mobile gaming isn't a place where you yeah. get really high-end quality games so yeah it's a and weird I looked thing at, mm-hmm. i looked at the list of phones that the 855 plus made it into which is uh the last iteration of a gaming centric chip for qualcomm right. it was like the only interesting phone well it was not rock phone 2 it was in OnePlus 70 pro but the most interesting phone it was on was actually the galaxy z flip <laughs> which like <laughs> remember that that was a phone i love that phone come on i, I, oh, I know people man. who still use it but but yeah i mean these these chips show up in strange places but other than the galaxy z flip the OnePlus 70 pro and the rock phone 2 the other phones that the a55 plus made it into were made by mm-hmm. xiaomi vivo oppo right brands that don't ever really sell in the u.s so and we, and we it, know like mobile like hardcore mobile gaming is a bigger thing in asian markets it's than much it bigger here, than right? so like yeah pro- everyone's yeah. playing fortnite everyone's playing like 
be mobile games that you could easily do on a phone and yeah i guess that makes sense yeah the other thing that i found funny about the 865 plus is that like the 865 this isn't an integrated 5g chip so on board on this thing is like the regular lte modem and then mm. if you want or if the manufacturer wants to give you 5g mm-hmm. you need they need to like get the x55 which uh is compatible oh, man. so then they need to find other space on the hardware for yeah, it and then they need to like great. power it it's not great it's also like the whole one of the things that i didn't like and confused me slightly when i got the press release was that they were like oh yeah the snapdragon a65 plus 5g uh, platform. I was like, you put 5G in the name, yeah. but 5G is not really on this. It's, it's thing. actually another chip that's band-aged, like band-aided onto your yeah, sort of like tethered by an apron hardware. string, sort of. Let, let me, and this sounds super geeky, but let me just say the difference is right. So the 865 plus requiring a separate 5G modem means that device will run hotter. It means mm-hmm. you know it won't last as long battery life wise. Mm-hmm. It won't be as efficient as if that chip, as if the 5G was actually built mm-hmm. into the 865 Plus itself. Right. And that's and, the big difference. And people and have just, been asking for this for a while. It's surprising Qualcomm still hasn't been able to do it. Well, so no, they have integrated 5G chipsets, but with like lower power right, uh, right, CPUs right. in general. Right. But on the highest end, they're they're their reason was they want to give uh, people the option of including 5G or not yeah. and stuff like that. Their they, reason you know, is fun- it's yeah. hard. It's really hard <laughs> to get 5G into a very fast chip already. I yeah, guess. so the yeah. phone manufacturers are going to be the ones that have to be like, yeah, we won the X55 as well. And I mean, like, 5G gaming is going to be huge. 5G gaming is a whole uh-huh. reason people want to make these devices. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see. I think there's some, like, questionable decisions as, as usual. <laughs> Speaking of 5G, so, like, did you know there was going to be a phase two of 5G dev? Sure. I knew it like like the Marvel, you know, um, the whole oh the whole phase storyline thing. I knew 5G was going to be an epic storyline that would end oh. in Thanos uh, killing half of humanity, right? That's the story of 5G. Oh, I, I mean, I love a good Marvel reference, <laughs> but I just got really confused. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, well, <laughs> Sherlin, 5G, coronavirus, pandemic. Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. You're right. You're right. Every everyone's dead. Um <laughs> Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Um but but yeah, so phase two of 5G, the 3GPP, which is the body that kind of like announces these official standards, officially announced it last week, and within the standard, there are some Qualcomm inventions, as there always has been in 5G. And one of these is um, the support of unlicensed spectrum, which I find very interesting. Unlicensed Mm. spectrum allows people to, like, let's say, it allows people to operate in two modes. One is license assistant, uh, license assisted access, which is LAA, which is where like a carrier has a license to operate in spectrum, can also tap into unlicensed spectrum to boost their bandwidth and capacity and stuff. But it also allows people to completely, without a license, create like use 5G technology on the unlicensed spectrum currently in the six gigahertz bandwidth uh, uh, band. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, it kind of makes... Uh, it, the obvious benefits are better speeds, better uh, bandwidth, and 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 like capacity as before, but also greater access. And I think that that's interesting. Um, I know again, it's pretty nerdy. Good lord! <laughs> it I reminds don't know. me of like maybe pirate radio days where there was all this just like random oh, spectrum, yeah. and people could just go do whatever they want. Do you yeah. have a sense, Charlene, of how companies can use unlicensed spectrum? Like, how would that work in you know in an actual product? 
Yeah, so I'm not super clear on the technology. I do know that um, you know part of the standard is uh, new deployment models targeting verticals like uh, manufacturing industries or like even the, you know in, in the press release, uh, Qualcomm said something right, like right. it's for people to release private networks using 5G technology. So private let, private say, networks is kind of the thing. Yeah, that it's could the be main thing. Yeah. yeah, so like enterprises or schools could set up their own 5G networks on their grounds, and you would be able to use super mm-hmm. fast speeds like millimeter wave speeds and stuff like that on those areas so that could be let me just say that could be really interesting that reminds me of the days when like before wi-fi even existed like when i first went to college um you know the school the school was wired up with uh the latest ethernet technology (laughs) um there was ethernet in every dorm and we felt very special about that but it was a little local network you know, it yeah. was it was connected to the internet, but it was also itself a local area network. And I could see five G right. working in similar ways, where it creates this yes. little network um, that could be cool. That could be yeah. really really useful, huh? I think so. So I mean, I'm I'm stoked for the next um, stoked is in the world. I mean, okay, look, they just announced it to <laughs> like this last week, and right. it's going to be years before we see any of these really come you know to fruition because the actual the first 5g spec was actually announced and approved 2017 and here it is 2020 and we're not actually seeing widespread 5g yet so i'd say give it at least two years before we start to see these things in the real world but knowing it ahead of time gives you time to prepare gives you some (laughs) excitement hopefully in this really crap world we're in speaking of excitement and the lack thereof the crap world we're in (laughs) i guess very very not exciting (laughs) news Qualcomm announced the Snapdragon Wear 4100. Yay! Because <laughs> wearables still are a thing. My here's here. Look, I'm just gonna like uh, slowly lower Sherlyn's mic volume while she talks about wearables. <laughs> That's how much it hurts you. And to I'm talk gonna go on with the rest of the show. No, no, because like wearables are dead, aren't they? And they're still they're still doing it. I don't know. Well, yeah. I look. Almost two years ago, Snapdragon uh, Qualcomm announced the Snapdragon Wear 3100, and that got people excited because we were like, "Oh yeah, yeah smart!" Like back then, that was like 2018, late 2018, and right. we were like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to rejuvenate the industry because we really needed it." <laughs> Here we are again, two years later, smartwatches Wait, are as crap so as ever. What happened with that last chip? Like, did it so, affect anything? Did it lead to new products? Because I don't think it so. Did. It did. But yeah, but what? that's part of what I said in my story. So okay, here we go. The 3100 was supposed to bring these huge battery savings, huge improvement in battery life by enabling these like modes, like ambient mode, watch mode, and sport mode. And it was the result of Google and Qualcomm working together. So those modes were specific to Wear OS devices, right? And, um, you know, <laughs> Remember in- that? Remember oh, Wear OS? Lord. Yeah. Hey, it still sort of exists. I'm going <laughs> to, we'll, we'll get to that. But so in these modes, for example, in watch mode, basically you can get, instead of just two days of battery life in regular use, if you enable watch mode, you turn your smartwatch into basically a dumb watch, right? And it'll show the time, it'll track your steps, and therefore last about a week. Then in sport mode, which is one of the things people use smartwatches for, um, usually when you're tracking your activity using GPS on and the heart rate sensor constantly monitoring your pulse, the battery dies in like an hour. So in sport mode, the idea is that you can get like what, eight to 10 hours of use with sensors on, which is impressive. But again, here we are 2020 and the two watches that support sport mode are one by a company called Sunto, who like operate mostly in Asia, and Tag Heuer, 
with its $1,500 sport watch. So it's yeah, not that widespread. Yeah, really, really kicking things <laughs> off over here. Yeah, so no one's really using these. And, and everywhere, every other device that uses these modes, no one's really like, you know, raving about the battery life benefits that you get out of it. And honestly, it did not shake the world the way it was supposed to, or was hoped it would. So the 4100 mm-hmm. sort of builds on that by kind of... Um, Improving certain like performance in certain areas again has like a lot of battery life promises and stuff like that. I wrote it up and I was just like zero hype about it. All I, <laughs> all I can tell you is the strangest thing to come out of that of that uh, the Snapdragon Wear forty one hundred is that they will support because it has dual ISPs on on the chip. It will support sixteen megapixel cameras on your wrist uh, because we are taking these high res selfies from our wrist now, like Power Rangers. So. It's 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 very weird. It also doesn't include uh it, there's a 4100 and the 4100 plus and if we're getting into the nitty-gritty here the 4100 doesn't support it uh, doesn't come with a coprocessor for low power tasks. So I wish I could just roll Sherlyn's chair into like a closet now to go talk about this. Okay. Okay. Y'all, if you if you look, if you want to engage me and talk about the Snapdragon Wear 4100 in a nice way, you can hit me up on Twitter or send us an email <laughs> to podcast at engadget.com. We can talk I, all day. I want to know where people think wearables are right now because I think aside from maybe some Fitbits and the Apple Watch, that's pretty yeah. much all there is. Please let us know uh, what do you think about smartwatches and fitness devices and wearables in general? Where do you think they're headed? Are you still excited about them? What is, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah, send us that email, podcast at Engadget.com. Or hit us up on the web form. It's on the page. Uh, it's on the podcast page whenever we post the show. I'm hey. excited to see hey. what happens when Google and Fitbit finally get to actually merge. So then- right. You know, that might be the the little spark of joy we might need in this bleak smartwatch days. Okay, speaking of bleak news in the (laughs) tech world, let's talk about Facebook. Because it feels like every time we revisit this company and everything they're doing, it's just like another, you know, trash fire after another. Uh, This week has been a pretty interesting one for the Mm. company. So... The folks behind the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, uh, mm-hmm. these are the civil rights organizations and a bunch of others that have basically um, convinced advertisers to stop mm-hmm. selling their ads on Facebook because the company isn't doing enough to fight against misinformation mm-hmm. and uh, and things like that and hate speech. Um, mm-hmm. The company has done very little. And by the way, in gadget parent company, Verizon is one of the companies that signed on for this. Um, those boycott leaders have talked with Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and our report from July 7th, uh, they say it was a disappointment. Jeez. I'm not surprised. Really? Like we discussed this, uh, when the news came out that Mark was going to meet with these, um, boycott (laughs) leaders and all of us were like, I said, do you think he's going to say anything worthwhile or change his mind? And Mm -hmm. Carissa, our Facebook and social media reporter was like, probably not. (laughs) I was like, yep, probably not. Oh, man. Let me. So here's one choice quote. There's so many good quotes from all the companies involved here. But Jessica Gonzalez, the co-CEO of Free Press, one of the organizations behind the campaign, said this. Hashtag stop hate for profit. Didn't hear anything today to convince us that Zuckerberg and his colleagues are taking action. Instead of committing to a timeline to root out hate and disinformation on Facebook, the company's leaders delivered the same old talking points to try to placate us without meeting our demands. This isn't over. We will continue to expand the boycott until Facebook takes our demands seriously. 
So, let me and yeah. let me just say like two things really quick right here, now, right? Because one of so this boycott actually was good timing because yes. the whole world is angry about you know the Black Lives Matter, all the you know police brutality, but mm-hmm. also everyone's looking to save some money so they're like yeah this is a great time to pull our ads from facebook <laughs> yes i will hop onto this it shows that i have a great cause well, right? it's I a mean, pr thing too it, it is a pr thing it does save these companies some money but companies but also do important. they do get traffic from this right there's a reason uh, you pay yeah. for facebook ads and that's to get some of those facebook clicks so there is some they're saving some money but they're also like losing some potential you know True. clicks and um traffic because of that so i think there yeah. is there's something noble about companies, um, even big yeah. companies, kind of listening to this you know group because I don't think uh, Facebook has done much. Speaking yeah. of, Facebook has failed its own civil rights audit, and that was news from July eighth. Um, also this week, this was an independent audit to just um, see how the company has dealt with some of these issues and uh, uh, quote here from Steve Dent's report at Engadget. It revealed that executive decisions by the company caused, quote, significant setbacks for civil rights and that the site could become an echo chamber of extremism if it doesn't take stronger measures. The company must recognize the failure to do so can have dangerous and life-threatening real-world consequences, the report states. This is Facebook's own audit, you know? yeah. I just want to imagine, like, let's let's paint the picture here, right? So the, <laughs> the internal auditors, you know, figure this out and they take the results to Mark and whoever else is on this higher up team and goes, we, we failed. We need to do better here. And Mark's like, cool, thanks. And then mm-hmm. goes to this meeting with boycott leaders. I don't know the timeline if he went before yeah. or after, but it was like, well, it, he it still is in, unfazed. Let, let me just say, this was an internal report, but it was led by an outside organization, by civil rights leader Laura Murphy and her firm, Relman Colfax. So it wasn't like Facebook so just external auditors. Yeah. Gotcha. External auditors did uh, their own, like, like yeah. they commissioned it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So whatever it is, they brought results to Mark. And I'm just seeing, like, oh probably a very stoic phase, probably, like, no real reaction. Here's the thing. I kind of have a sense of what the voice um, <laughs> is like amongst, like, the leadership in Facebook. Sure. Because yeah. senior VP or VP of Global Comms, Nick Clegg, wrote a letter, what, two weeks ago saying that Facebook doesn't profit from hate. Uh, in reaction sure, to buddy. all of these boycotts. Sure. Yeah. And he, look, the wording in this letter, <laughs> I tweeted about it after I wrote the, the article. It was just so defensive. It was very like, look, it was, first of all, um, what I want to say, uh, like, unambiguously, we do not profit from hate. Yeah. Okay, cool, bud. And then next point, he goes, look at what we've already done. We've made all these advances on uh, finding out and rooting out hate speech, and we delete them you know, 90% of the time we're faster than Twitter at deleting these things. I was just like, cool. Next thing they're like, and uh, so so that was like just basically, we've already done so much. The yeah. second thing they were doing was um, saying that, look, all the other good we've done. You know, in these dark times, social media is where people find joy. You know, we were able to help small mm-hmm. businesses run during the coronavirus pandemic. We were able to help people organize for Black Lives Matter. Man, the 2016 election says, hello. You know, like (laughs) their complete inability to do anything around that. We saw those reports in 2017 that Facebook was aware of widespread Russian disinformation campaigns and did nothing about it. You know, they they They, informed the the government like they said, hey, this was happening, but they didn't like start actively policing these these organizations. They didn't like stop posts. So there's a lot this company didn't do dealt with the reckoning of that. And uh, hey, by the way, guess what this year is? 
another election year where Facebook seems completely unprepared to do anything. But hey, don't worry, Sherlyn. Facebook has an oversight board. They're coming. We're supposed to be starting up. Yeah, they're was, they're, they're going to help. And this yeah, is sure. like, an, yeah, it's an independent group of people, uh, widespread voices across the industry who are going to help basically police content moderation across Facebook, Instagram, uh, all all the services. That's going to help, right? Ahead of the election. I, I feel like you're setting me up for something. So yeah, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> no because the oversight board announced on Twitter yesterday, uh, July seventh, that um, they won't be operational until late fall what the late crap because fall that's after is... the election most likely after the election but certainly they will not be around to help with like everything happening ahead of the election when we really need to clamp down on yeah. misinformation and bad content and things like that why it's incredible. why why did they say why they said um the quote is um we don't expect the board to regularly share opinions outside of our decisions on content and policy recommendations to Facebook. So they won't be really public facing, but they go on to say, our focus is on building a strong institution that will deliver concrete results over the long term, which, okay, I get it. It takes a while to build something completely new like this to oversee, you know, such a monstrous entity as Facebook, but guys, we need help now. We need something now. It's all, it's all really funny to me because Facebook's motto, Mark Zuckerberg's motto from the early years was move fast and break things, which, mm-hmm. by the way, describes a lot of how we got into this mess and how... We broke so- a lot of things. We broke a lot of things. We broke democracy. We broke society because social media grew, you know, despite any cost to humanity and our civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out they cannot move fast and fix things. It's funny. Nope. That takes no. a while. Um, so, yeah, this is disappointing. We don't really have more details on this. Um, and honestly, the oversight board isn't going to be like the magical solution we yep. wanted to. Like, they're yeah. really just going to be dealing with content, the um, decisions on deleting content, you know, del- decisions on when posts need to be removed. They're not going to be actively exploring misinformation in campaigns like that. So even the even the oversight board itself is not as good as we wanted. Honestly, um, yeah. the oversight board was a way for Facebook to just distract people and to sure, act as sure. if they were doing something. Hey, it just we're seems doing like something. That now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just hugely disappointed. <laughs> Let me just say, um, I'm sure Facebook doesn't see this. To what you're saying, Sherlyn, and uh, just think of that defensive Facebook letter. I yep. remember when they were launching the portal devices, right? Mm. You know, the video chatting <laughs> devices. I was talking to the Facebook PR people and I was like, well, it seems like sometimes like I was wondering, like, why are you guys doing this? Because a lot of people are worried about your security and your privacy. And I was like, sometimes it feels like things are being developed in a bubble, you know, because like you guys are not seeing the issues actually happening outside of Facebook headquarters and Silicon Valley. And their reply was like, oh, we're in a bubble, like really sarcastically, like they've heard it before. (gasps) Like, my Yes, you are in a bubble because you just created a video chat device that automatically talks with people when people don't trust the way you handle information. It's insane. So yeah, to see this company not realize the full impact of what they have or like their responsibility towards, I don't know, public conversation, it is not surprising at all. It's endlessly disappointing. I hope the oversight board can do something down the line. I hope like I don't know. We need some social media regulations because these companies are too big and they don't need to listen to us. So tune in next week for more Facebook (laughs) terribleness. (laughs) 
So let's move on to what we've been working on. Uh, Dev, you just got back, so I'm, I've been working nonstop while you were out with your move. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for <laughs> taking care of everything so I can get some rest for lunch. I really appreciate you, it. You did not get any rest. I feel very bad. But anyway, I have some news to share. Uh, thanks to a hookup via the Vindra, uh, you know, I am moderating a panel about Amazon's TV show Upload, and it will be for Comic-Con at Home, this oh, wow. virtual nice. event. Yeah, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, obviously San Diego Comic-Con had to cancel its physical event, but they're hosting Comic-Con at Home. It will start July 23rd. You can watch the entire con on the Comic-Con YouTube channel. And as for the Amazon panels, Amazon's doing panels on the Upload TV show that I am moderating and also on The Boys, on Utopia. Uh, so you can catch all of that on Amazon's own virtual con, which is part of the Comic-Con So uh, you're going to be among this programming on Amazon, Trillin. I feel yeah, like... Yeah, my name is on things. It's ridiculous. I feel like I should say you're welcome because you get to talk <laughs> you with should. your beloved Robbie ML. So <laughs> Let's... He was... He, he, he... This will all be virtual so uh -huh. there's that but it was it was <laughs> you know i was very excited to, to i was very nervous I'm, I'm still nervous i'm really uh -huh. nervous just for people to see people's reactions and response oh i feel like the fans more shrillin on my tv i don't know if i need that but okay oh please <laughs> i know you're gonna watch this and then hate on it for yeah okay yep. but but that's that's coming up mark your calendars the panel is the panel featuring me as moderator um will be july 23rd 2 p.m pacific so that's I, I will say go back and listen to our review of upload um yeah. i wrote about um the like what that thing did you write about that or did i write about that I you wrote about thing. it yeah i wrote you about wrote upload about and just what a unique series it is too because it's sort of like it's sort of like a, a rom-com it's sort of a comedy it's but it's great. also murder mystery it's so many things and a great little like black mirror-esque slice of the future Love it. the show is good yeah. read our coverage so far and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing this show so uh it's not all fun and games obviously there's also regular work <laughs> it's not all fun there's also <laughs> samsung there's also <laughs> samsung which announced that Unpacked is happening virtually as well, August 5th, which is, God, just under a month from now, which is sure. like, I can't even imagine. We're almost in August. What the hell? Uh, so you can be sure to, I mean, yeah. you know, check Engadget. We'll probably have all the news. I mean, Samsung we'll Unpacked, by the news. way, Unpacked is their name for their news events. If you have not been paying yeah. attention, I feel like they should just change that name. It should yeah. be <laughs> the Samsung Dump. The Samsung oh, yeah. Royal dump, like uh, dump Royale, because oh, it's just Lord. it's it's some um, something. The Samsung we, Mercy Flesh, the as our dump. producer Ben is yeah. Uh, suggesting. Trying. Yeah, that's I all, mean, man. It's because it's so. I'm sure there will be like one or two really interesting things, but it's usually like a deluge of God, yeah. just crap from Samsung. Yeah. Where the hell's that speaker? We're we're expecting that stupid speaker. It's still not I know. here. I know, but look, even the HomePod's been canceled, so you know what I mean? I don't. <laughs> it hasn't I... been canceled. It's just very sort cheap of. because Apple doesn't know what to do with it. Come on. Yeah. At yeah, least they sure. at least they like released it three years ago or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> with, at Unpacked, we're expecting to see the Note 20, which, you know, uh, like knowing Samsung's breakneck pace for their keynotes mm -hmm. and, and events, it's, there's going to be like feature after feature after feature that I have to write about if we're covering this live. Then there's going to be probably a ton of other devices too because that's that's their thing, right? Like they mm -hmm. generally just always announce a whole lot of devices. Like I was not expecting a laptop at the last event and there <laughs> was a laptop. There we go. Like, hooray. 
So, oh, yeah, man. stay tuned. Mark your calendars again. Samsung Unpacked is happening August 5th. Uh, we'll probably have some good coverage around that. Finally, speaking about 5G <laughs> and laptops. Hey, I'm currently reviewing the Lenovo Flex 5G, which I had to take outside later on to figure out if I'm going to get this. Does it wonderful... also have to wear a face mask? Is that how this works? I will I will be masking its camera at the very least. Um, so that's that's happening. I will probably have more thoughts for you after the review goes live later this week or, or early next yeah. week. That and thing then looks we'll hot. Like, it. I don't really like Snapdragon eh. laptops in general, but it looks cool. It looks pretty. Eh. So, yeah. Eh, it does not. I've seen prettier laptops. That's probably why. <laughs> I've been spoiled. It, this is like a gray slab yeah. of metal. It's slightly slanting, which is nice, but... You know, Lenovo doesn't make very pretty laptops anymore. And even the ThinkPads have issues. So, yeah. Lenovo, try harder. I love you. And I know you're listening. I know you're listening, Lenovo. Oh, yeah. Let let me talk about very pretty laptop because I'm getting the XPS 17 in to review very soon. Uh, It'll be my first review here in Georgia and in the house. So look forward to like new photos and staging all over the place. Um, but this is the third XPS machine I've reviewed this year. We've already done the 13 and the 15, and they all have like this new design style, which is pretty much all screen, um, you know, wider keyboards, really modern, refreshing looking stuff. And we haven't had an XPS 17, I think in like 10 years, not since like 2010 ish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yep. I'm excited to see like how this thing performs. The 15, I really love the 13 the best xps yet so far so i'm Mm -hmm. really excited about this one uh the only question is i have to figure out how to do a review video of it but uh you know we'll we'll sort that out i will say that i know that you think the xps series is pretty and i will say it looks good it's a very classic design Mm -hmm. but it's a little it's getting a little stale for me it hasn't changed much it changed a lot since last year I, no, I like the all-screen mm-hmm. look now, but the exterior is still very similar. It's just like how the MacBooks still kind of sure, look the sure, same, sure. even though they keep making small tweaks. I will sure. say the two com- for people who care about the way your laptop looks, the two companies I'm going to shout out in terms of good looks is HP makes really gorgeous laptops. Mm-hmm. They're very pretty. And then the Samsung Galaxy Book Flex is just <laughs> one of my favorites. It's just so hot. I, uh, the, yeah. the Galaxy Chromebook is so pretty. So those are just Sherlin's fashion corner tips. Fashion corner, yeah, certainly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like the HP Spectre stuff. I feel like they go really high. They go really hard on like flashiness and not always yeah. substance. So that's my wow. thing there. But I still wow. like the the Spectre X360 was the last one I reviewed. That one is still pretty hot. I just think the, the XPS is better. It's a little better. You got more. It's more screen all around. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We got options, guys. Let's move on to Engadget picks and Ooh. um i don't know what what was my pick because i haven't had time to do much uh one <laughs> thing okay. i have been able to devote some time to is the last of us 2 mm-hmm. um incredible game nate joined us to talk about it a couple weeks ago it's very good i don't i'm not as in love with it as i was with the first one i think because it doesn't start as strongly and you know it's trying to do a lot more it's also mm-hmm. really tough to play this game in the middle of a pandemic you know just like yes. it is a game where society Surreal. has fallen a global pandemic has turned people into zombies i have seen a couple a couple videos on twitter where people just trying to get into bars and bookstores just turn like zombie like in a weird way and i don't know if they're like it was weird there's this one video going around of a woman that just started like banging against the window like smashing her face into a window and like growling so I didn't know if she was on meth or something, but it was a very scary thing to see because it seemed like, wow. hey, this is 
the you know the precursor to 28 days later this is the precursor to people just going insane and attacking each other so hey last of us 2 that is fun some some fun out (laughs) there what are you into shirley I have been watching. I first of all, you tweeted that the uh, director's cut of Doctor Sleep was on HBO yes. Max, so I went to watch that at last. Now, as a person who has never seen The Shining, pause what? for a reaction. Oh yep. my god! Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? Wait. Now- why? <laughs> why? Why do you do this to yourself, Sherlyn? This is like watching Upload Season Two, <laughs> or not Upload. It's like watching Homecoming Season Two. <laughs> <laughs> when you know there's a season one and it ties everything okay. into it. Oh I will my God. say I got very confused. I, t- I thought oh. oh, you Sleep- got confused? I got confused. Yeah? I thought Doctor Sleep was the sequel to the Dark Tower series. Okay, so. Look. I don't. What? Yeah, don't even, don't get me started. I'm very confused. Okay, stop. Yeah, so, I, I feel like that's the that's the subtitle on Sherlin's life right now. <laughs> I'm confused, yes. Um, the, the. Even without the point I was trying to say is that even without having seen The Shining, I actually enjoy Doctor Sleep. So it's a good movie. You guys, it's a yeah. decent movie. I I got I mean where where it was fan servicey to um to The Shining. I How would you get know? Bored. How would you know? Sure, I know because I've seen it's everywhere. Right, Shining material is everywhere. It's such a huge part of pop culture. I know you're gonna say it's such a huge part of pop culture. I'm not oh watching it. Stop. I'm gonna watch it soon. Okay. Anyway, but there there is a whole part of the movie that's very fan servicey where it like goes you know, and sort of lovingly gazes at the setting, right, of of The Shining. And that's where I got a little bored. <laughs> but other than that, the movie was great. I'm just going to run it. out the room right now. Because, like, so you find a way to make me infuriated about my wonderful suggestions to you. You find a way to ruin it, Shirley. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Oh Excellent. my god. Anyway, Anyhow, go watch The Shining. I have I will watch The Shining. I do have a, a better recommendation for everybody and that's Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. Now before mm-hmm. before talking to Devinder about this, I didn't realize it was a reboot of a 90s series. <laughs> Singapore didn't get this, okay? <laughs> oh man. We didn't get this series in Singapore. Yeah. I did not know that it was very UFO heavy. Well, it wasn't very it was... UFO. It was very like, hey, this weird thing happened. And sometimes yeah. there were supernatural things and sometimes yeah, were... Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know. And I watched the first three episodes, which were very true crimey. And it was very mm-hmm. like um, serial the podcast. But yes, in, yes. It, you know, many different cases. And it was so interesting. I mean, like true crime is huge. I'm a big true crime mm-hmm. fan. And then it took a dive and went into the UFO episode. And it was even better. I just, well, I don't know if it was even better in the sense that, like, mm-hmm. with the true crime ones, at least it felt like um, the Zodiac Killer, where, like, I felt sure, like there was something sure, for sure. me to solve and participate in. And, and by I the way, the internet has, like, gotten, like, into Lord. full core. Like, they, they have yes. been going hardcore and produ- sending tips. And apparently there have yes. been some, like, legit good tips for some of these yeah. stories. So that well, was the whole point of Unsolved Mysteries, is that they would put this number at the end of the show, and you would call yes. hotline and potentially solve some things and sometimes they went back and like updated a story and yeah. be like hey guys our viewers helped solve yeah. this mystery it's amazing so after after watching some episodes i went and fell into a hardcore reddit hole um, <laughs> about the show right and so i can give you some stats here the original series of the what of the 1130 cases they showcased uh-huh. 260 were solved afterwards based on tips after, from viewers love it so that's a solid 20 percent yeah 20 yeah, yeah. percent 
Uh, and then the and that was a time was, before the internet, like before we right. were so connected. That's a pretty amazing number. Yeah, that's for for people who didn't have the internet. And that's one of the things too that I realized while watching the UFO episode was that like right now we live in a time where one of the mysteries of the UFO episode was that people couldn't find documentation. People right, couldn't right, like right. you know say that they saw these things. And you know now if it happened now, <laughs> you would be. TikTok would be all over it. TikTok would be oh, like, what man. the hell is that thing I think, in the sky? I think you know that's, I mean? why, that's why we haven't seen many UFOs recently. The, the aliens know they have reached <laughs> social networking technology. We cannot reveal ourselves anymore. Um, They're like, I don't want to be a meme. Yeah. Relate to all this. So I saw that episode. I've watched a couple. The UFO thing hits a really nice nostalgia pang for me because I mm. spent a lot of the 90s just watching like weird supernatural stuff and UFO stuff. Yes. Like I was a big X-Files fan. But also, like, you know, I was a kid who was into weird paranormal stuff. That Ah, episode is set in Massachusetts. It's set in Western Massachusetts, which is where I went to college. And it actually almost touches Connecticut. Like, it's a a weird New England thing. There are Air Force bases up there. So the thing we always hear is like, oh, man, there are these weird things happening and being seen around Air Force bases. What's up with that? I find it amazing. By yeah. the way, in the year 2020, and I think this happened last year too, the military acknowledged there are these yep. weird things flying around that our pilots yep. have seen, have captured on video, and we as a society have collectively gone, eh, eh. because they're, the, everything is so screwed up, we cannot spend time on these crazy aircraft which shouldn't exist which defy all laws of physics we don't know what they are it's also just it's incredible what people will tell themselves just to not believe anything they can't explain right right? like also they were just like oh well one of the i mean again reddit hole that i was in Mm -hmm. people were like yeah but the military thing uh was also just like uh, a good way for the military to cover up things they're testing so these like unexplainable objects are actually really advanced military planes. But, well, and- so yeah, as, as again, again, I'm pulling in all my childhood library reading. There are cert- there are probably instances where military was testing out you know aircraft, the stealth bomber, which is a weird triangular looking thing. Mm. Imagine imagine testing that out, and somebody sees this ship, this you know plane they've never <laughs> seen before. Um, yeah. People would be like that. Well, that's certainly an unidentified flying object, technically right, right. correct. And it is, yeah. We we don't know what these things are. These other videos are just freaking me out a little because like there are the stories of like something flying between two fighter jets that are about a yep. hundred feet apart in the air and just zooms yep. right between them. Like what? I feel like yep. I need more details on this story. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to so, sound like so a kook. My just, final man. my final Reddit takeaway from all of this uh-huh. is after that New York Times um, article on that. <laughs> particular you know object that you were talking about yeah um it was from something called the wilson davis leak and uh what the reddit community or the ufo community is saying is that we can expect a lot more of these reports to come out from the military (laughs) over the next few years so the world is gonna get a little bit more A a little weirder I, I just want to say to be to be absolutely clear, these things don't necessarily have to be like They're alien not, objects. They don't have, you know, yeah. like it's just we don't know what they are, and I feel like that is that's a big thing as somebody who's scientifically minded and curious, like myself. It's like, hey guys, we can't just let these things exist out here yeah. without yeah. knowing how they work. Uh, anything anyhow, else, Sherlyn? If I mean, if you want a good uh, break from our, you know. F- painful bleak world and want to just have your mind chase a mystery i think unsolved mysteries it's also painful like it's also very bleak at times too because it's about these sad families who are dealing with people who have 
died or yeah, one disappeared. Of them, oh, one man. of them is a uh, one of the cases is a black guy who was mm-hmm. killed, the, uh, suspected of being killed in a hate crime, oh, and so so relevant to today. But mm-hmm. also the good news is that the FBI actually reopened that case recently, a few weeks before the episode went live too. So they probably heard that oh man something was yeah. happening. We better yeah. start yeah. working. And again. a lot of credible tips have come up for that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Y'all should really go watch it. Uh, I have one more recommendation. My um, It's called A Silenced Voice. It's a book about journalist Kim Wall, who was killed, I think, three, four years ago now. Oh, Kim was a classmate. Uh, we went to school together. Uh, and this book, A Silenced Voice, is written by her parents. Uh, I know her mom, Ingrid Wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of reclaiming and reframing the story around her murder, uh, she was on a story about this submarine inventor, and she was on board the submarine, and the inventor just kind of killed her in a very gruesome way. Oh so I God. just think it's a good book to to to. I know it's a bit it's a bit bleak, but it's kind of mm-hmm. not the the topic is bleak. But the way that her parents have written the story is about her light and is about her as a person. And honestly, Kim was one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like she never had a bad thing to say she was always so sweet like her energy was always so gentle she also gave the best hugs so read that i think it's a good way to see that you know even in the darkest times you can find some joy and that's it for our episode today everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terence o'brien the podcast is produced by ben elman you can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you have any super serious tips about any of the Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> hit me up on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastandengadget.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. I can do the X-Files one. There were a lot of big dudes. Like uh, the Unsolved Mysteries ones like do-do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do.